Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. How many of you uh, this week had less worry in your life because of what we spoke about last week? I hope you did. Because I think the best kind of preaching Sunday is when it gets applied on Monday. So we don't want to be the, that culture that comes in and, and enjoys a show and then leaves. But we should be transformed and, and, and be changed. And then we should apply it. So, so Monday, you may wake up and there's things that come to the surface again. That worry, that concern, that issue, whatever it was. We spoke about worry when worry attacks last week. And my hope was that this week, you just worried less about stuff. And just believe that God's got it. And take your focus off your worries and continue to put your focus on Jesus. I think that's one of the best things that we can do. And, you know, I'm telling you right now, I think that God has a plan for our lives that gets disrupted by worry and anxiousness and all the rest of that stuff that tries to steal your confidence and wreck your life and, and, and not see you fulfill the call of God that's on your life. But I'm going to start off up front today by saying that I believe that you were created on purpose and for purpose. You were created on purpose and you were created for a purpose. And God does have a plan for your life. And I definitely don't want to see that get disrupted. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm just going to flip it and reverse it. Okay, I'm going to change things this morning. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you if you want to respond right now. So here is what I want you to respond to. If you need to tune into this moment right now, if you want to be used by God, if you want God to you know, do something with your life, then I just want you to stand to your feet already this morning. If you, I, now this is, don't just stand because the person next to you is standing. That's, that's not going to work out for you. I only want you to stand if you're interested in God using you, all right? So if you're sitting down, there's no judgment. It's fine. It's no problem. You might be a guest. You may not even believe in Jesus. You came along with somebody else and you thought, wow, all these people want to be used by God. That's weird. I know. I know, but only stand if you actually want to be used by God. It's a pretty good response, all right? So uh, I'm going to pray for you. So if you've been asking God for a gift of healing or prophecy, if you've been asking God to begin to move and shift stuff in your life, I'm going to pray for you right now. Are you ready for this? All right, let's pray together. Father, I pray for every person who's standing this morning and has made a decision before hearing anything else that, God, they want to follow you. And I pray, God, that you begin to bring people opportunities for them to fulfill the call that's on their life. Lord, I believe this morning that these guys are gifted, that they're called uh, by you. They were created for a purpose. And Jesus, my prayer this morning is that you begin to speak to them about what that is. I pray doors of opportunity begin to open and I pray God, this morning, that you fill people with confidence, that you fill people with uh, 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 ability. And God, again, just pour out your spirit into the hearts and minds of people today that are responding and saying, you know what, God, I came here because I just wanted to let you know that I do want to be used by you. I want to use my time, my energy, my talents, my gifts. I want to use all of that to serve you and for your good purpose. And so, Lord, I pray that you begin to shift all things necessary to make this happen. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. You can grab a seat. Well, that was a pretty good response. So now that you've made that decision, uh, I want to talk to you about the cost of that decision. I want to talk to you about the cost 
of the decision that you just made when you volunteered. I know, I tricked you, right? So I got you to say, do you want to be used by God? Now I'm going to tell you what it's going to cost you this morning to actually do that and to to use that, all right? So um, I'm going to read to you a scripture. It comes out of Luke chapter uh, 14. And if you don't like to read, then sit back, relax. Let me do this for you. All right, hang on. Have we got this on? Here we go. The cost of discipleship. It says, now great crowds accompanied him. It's Jesus. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. Jesus, that sounds a little harsh. So let me tell you what this means straight up so you don't leave church early today. What he's actually saying is when he says, if anyone does not hate his own, and then he fills in all those details there, hate means to love less than. So what he's really saying in this passage is, is that if you don't love me the most out of everything, then you're going to have a trouble at points in your life following me and being a disciple. So you've got to love me more than you even love your own family. He goes on to say, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? So glad that Anne began with encouragement. We better pray about this one. Father, I thank you that you're here today. And Lord, we've already responded. We want to be used by you. But God, I believe that you're going to speak to us about what that means. It's one thing to volunteer our uh, our time or ourselves, God. It's another to sit down first and count the cost before we build the tower. So Lord, I pray that today you begin to speak to us and reveal to us exactly what that means. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus may take you up on your offer. He just may. Jesus may actually take you up on your offer. How many people do you know that are looking for their calling? They're just trying to find what it is that God has created them to do. And the truth is, this is widespread because so many people, even as they start to move on in life, you can sort of become mature and family, kids of your own, maybe even sometimes grandkids, and you're still saying, I'm not really sure if I'm doing what I was created for. I kind of feel like, where's the call? Like, why is it so elusive sometimes? Why is it so hard to find God's plan for our lives? And it's like, where is it? Like, is it behind, maybe it's behind one of these curtains back here. It's like, you've got to Look for it. you got to find it. Maybe it's back here somewhere. Maybe it's under some rock somewhere. But why is it so hard to find God's plan, His call, His purpose for your life when there are so many people that are looking for it? Where is it? Well, here's something really interesting. I think that often Jesus' offer to take us up on our prayers, I think His offer comes in the form of opportunity. Jesus' offer comes in the form of opportunity and His call and His plan for your life may not be as elusive as you think. 
Somebody's going to have a conversation with you and say, hey, have you ever thought about serving in this area? Hey, have you ever considered that you would be really good at this? And so I was just thinking maybe you could do this. There might be a job that you apply for or an opportunity that opens. Someone comes and approaches you and, you know, whether it's a job or whatever it is, there's an opportunity that comes to you. See, I kind of think that Jesus doesn't make it so hard for us to find our calling. What good would it be to get to heaven and at the end of our lives we say, Hey God, why did you make it so hard for me to find what I was supposed to do? He says, are you kidding me? I sent you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Man, I spoke to you through so many people. I I kept coming to you with it. I think that our calling comes to us in the form of opportunity. I think our purpose comes to us in the form of a conversation sometimes with other people. And Jesus in the passage we read says there are two dispositions that will render that decision. First of all, you got to make a decision to love Jesus above all else because there will come a time in your life where there's going to be some conflict and you're going to have to choose him if you want to begin to follow the path that he's got for you. When he says to hate your brothers and your sisters and your mothers, cousins, uncles, whatever, he's saying, hey, guess what? It's really great to love your family. In fact, how contradictory would it be for God to say, hey, I want you to just hate all the people in your life right now. Actually, no, Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by how they, by how they, by how they love one another, then how weird would it be for him to turn around and at the same time say, oh, no, 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 you're meant to hate all the people that are closest to you. doesn't make sense. Only that's not what he's saying. He says, I want you to love me more than you love anything on this earth. That's the first place that you need to be. And the second disposition that you need is you need to be, as he said in the scriptures we just read, be willing to bear your cross. In other words, be prepared to sacrifice. If you don't first love Jesus, and second of all, if you haven't prepared in your heart to sacrifice at all, I'm telling you right now, no matter how many opportunities come your way, you're going to struggle to find the call and the plan that Jesus has got for your life. You see, without these two things, you're going to look past opportunities to find the right thing that never, ever comes. Because you're still looking for it. It's because when the opportunity came, with all due respect, you were too busy. It wasn't the right season. You didn't have the skills. You didn't have the money. You didn't have the testimony. You didn't have what God was requiring of you. Oh no, I am willing, but just not yet, not now, maybe in the future. And so the elusiveness of your call begins to, So it looks like it almost gets away from you because you're saying, oh, where is it? He says, are you kidding me? I keep speaking to you and giving you opportunity for you to begin to engage with the thing that I created you for. But, you know, it's just kind of every time I come to you, it's still so hard to get you to say yes to me. This is something that you need to know from the outset. There is a cost to following Jesus. And the reason that's important to you is don't be surprised when he asks you to sacrifice. Here's what Jesus is not saying. I need you to create an eighth day. By the way, if you ever find a way to create an eighth day, I would love to speak to you immediately after the service because I could do with another day in my week. How many of us feel busy all the time? I know, me too. We're all busy. So what, how many hours have I got? 168 hours a week. How many hours have you got? Have any of us got any more? No, 
None of us have any more time than anyone else. It's just how we decide to spend that time that matters to God. So here is the point. Whenever he comes to you and you say, it's not the right time. It's, you know, I'm waiting for things to clear out of my schedule. I want to help you to understand something about sacrifice. God is not waiting for a time in your life for you to create more time. You just need to start sacrificing what you're currently doing so that you've got the time to fulfill the call that he's got on your life. And it really is that simple. So what you need to do is if you're really busy and He comes to you in the form of an opportunity and you believe it's of God, we're not asking you to create more time. Jesus isn't saying, I want you to create another day. He says, I want you to currently give up something that you're holding so that you're able to do the thing I'm calling you to do. And if you don't understand this whole idea about sacrifice, you'll get to the end of your life wondering where your call was. Was it under that rock? Was it behind that curtain? Where was it? And the whole time, all it required was really for you to say, I'm going to give up what I'm currently doing to do what God's asking me to do. It's about sacrifice. So important that we get that from the outset. Otherwise, we could be busy for the rest of our lives. You see, following Jesus is about cost and return. It's about cost and return. Years ago, a couple of years ago, I went um, on my anniversary to the Sofitel. And I, I went with Sarah and, and I love going to that hotel. I don't know if you've ever stayed there, but I think it's one of the best places that you can stay in Melbourne. And so we went there for our anniversary and uh, I love walking into that room and everything's been laid out for me. And I know Grant spoke about this a couple of weeks ago at Heart and Soul, but I, I, I love, I'll put on the robe because it's available. And I love the little shampoos. I know that they're not practical. It doesn't matter. I think it's cool. I like it, you know. And I, I like room service. And I love it that I can just get on the phone and I can call someone up and they'll say, how can I serve you? Oh, I love that. That's very, very good. And we don't have that at home because we haven't trained our children right, but we will train our kids to bring us room service and then everything will get better. I love room service. So, so here we are and it's, it's beautiful. And the, if you know the Sofitel, the hotel starts about halfway up. So you're up nice and high and you get to see the city. And so we came down to the restaurant and the restaurant there was uh, fantastic. Like you walk in and they're so willing to serve you and there's food everywhere. And man, I love it. And you know, the only problem is, is that when you go there for dinner, I truthfully, I can't pronounce probably more than half the things that are on the menu. I always get concerned about ordering something when I don't know what it is. You know, I I'm probably don't have exotic tastes. You know, I'm just happy to have a hamburger, really. But I would be satisfied with grilled. But it's good being in that restaurant. So I'm looking at stuff and I don't know what to order. But man, I love that I've got the opportunity to do it. In fact, when we were in Thailand, uh, we went to a Chinese restaurant and I ordered the duck. I thought, duck, I, I, I know what I'm ordering. And what I actually ordered was duck webbing. And so it came to me and, she, and they served it to me. And I gave Sarah a look like, this is not what I ordered. And she raised her eyebrows and said, I couldn't believe you ordered it. So obviously I missed something in the process. <laughs> Do you know what it's like? It's like eating bones with jelly. I mean, I ate it, but I did not enjoy it. It was, it, it, it was pretty yuck. You know, it's not one of the things that I went for. Duck webbing, you know, you've got to be careful about what you order. But man... I'm sitting up there in the restaurant at the Sofitel and I'm looking over the city and I think, man, I love being up in this tower. 
I love being able to survey. I love being able to see the bay from where we are, seeing across the whole city. I love that. You see, the truth is, is that I love the idea of living in a tower. I just don't want to build the thing. I love the idea of being up high. I mean, once it's built, it's awesome, right? I love being able to sit up high and survey the area and it's, it's awesome, but I, I don't want to actually build the tower. Do you know how hard it would actually be to build a building? Like it's not, it's, not, it's not easy at all. Jesus said that following me is like building a tower. You've got to consider the cost up front. I built a house once. And when I say built, I use that term loosely. I paid someone else to do it. But let me tell you something. There's a lot to consider when you build a building. There's a lot to consider when you build a house. You've got to go to the tile store. You go to the carpet place. You see them in different lights and you hope that when you get them into the same space, they match. There's all kinds of things to consider. What toilet are we going to have? What tiles will we use? You know, what paint will there be on the walls? You know, and will it look different in this room? I mean, when you go to build a house, there's a lot to consider. And oh, and then they give you the contract. And the contract is, uh, is thicker than the Bible. And, and, and you look through it and you start to flick through it and you start reading it. And I'm, not, I'm never so sure that the banks have my best interest at heart. So I really make sure I read it. And they've got all these terms that are outlaid and I know what I think they mean, but I always like to check out and see what they think they mean so that we're on the same page about what everything really means. And so you flick through that and only when you've read everything do you start to feel a little bit more comfortable about signing that contract. And so you put pen to paper and you begin to sign it. The contract always has fine print. You want to read the little bits and and details. Do you ever listen to the radio where it says uh, you hear this incredible offer that's on the radio and it sounds like you're getting something for free, but then right at the end, very quickly, they say terms and conditions apply. Please see and store for details. And you say, what was that? What was that? And it's like you said, Pete Harvey, you know, Canberra. You know, it, it's, those, it's those little things at the end spoken for the Liberal Party. And you say, what was, that? what was that part? You spoke so fast. I have no idea what you just said. The fine print... The small details, the tag, the catch. What's the catch? Man, Jesus never gives you, he, he, he never comes to you and tries to swindle you. When he talks to you about building the building, Jesus just comes to you. He gives you the cost, the fine print. He tells you upfront what it's going to cost you. He says, before you sign to build this tower, the tower is your life, by the way. When you sign to build this tower, you should consider the cost. So before you are so quick to volunteer your time and say, yes, I'm God, I'm ready. He says, before you say that, you should really start to think about what it might cost you before you say, come on, let's commission this tower. Let's start to build this building. Let me ask you a question. Are you focused on the cost or the building? Because I looked at the cost, but I'm focused on the building. Whenever we talk about this scripture, we say, you should sit down and consider the cost. A lot of people stop there because they're so focused on the cost. But do you know what it's like to be in the building? Do you know what it's like when you see the finished product and you see the work of your hands and it's done and you can sit up there? I love sitting in the tower, but I'm not always sure I want to build the actual building to get there. Can you imagine what it would be like if... You know, you started building a tower and during the process of building it, you say to yourself, this is taking too long. I'm sick of waiting for this thing to be built. I feel like I've been 
working on this thing for years. And it never seems to be built. There's always another story. There's another level to add on. I'm tired. By the way, here I am with the building half finished. And do you know how much building this thing has cost me already? I'm not so sure at this point in my life I'm prepared to finish the building. I'm not sure I'm prepared to pay the cost. Can you imagine if you started to build something and then halfway through you just walked away and left it on its own? I've been to Thailand. We've driven through the streets where there are so many half-finished buildings. It's like a building cemetery where people began something and they ran out of money, so they just left it half-built. Can I tell you that people's lives... I like buildings where people come and they think, they volunteer. I, God, I want to serve you. They start to, and they commission the beginning of this tower, which is their life. But halfway through, the costs begin to mount and add up. It's taking too much time. It's taking too much energy. It's taking too much effort. I'm not prepared to wait any longer. And so they walk away and leave the building half finished. I want to encourage you this morning. Do not settle for less. If God has called you, equipped you, and created you with purpose, don't leave your building half finished. Bring it to completion. Let me read a scripture to you. This comes out of Thessalonians. It says, But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That we should live quietly to mind our own affairs and, you know, don't be dependent on anyone. I've seen people develop a life plan out of that scripture. I'm just going to live quietly. Don't make too many waves. This is what the scriptures teach us, except that those scriptures are actually about, when it says live quietly, it means keep your mouth shut, stay out of the affairs of other people and set a good example by not mooching off all the rich people in the community so you can set the right example for non-believers that see you and go, is that what a Christian is? That's what that scripture is about. Because when you start to think about the life that God has really called you to, the tower that you're supposed to be building, it looks nothing like that. So I hope that that's not a scripture of inspiration for the future of your life. I really hope it isn't. I think about the people of history of great faith like Smith Wigglesworth and all the miracles and healings that he's done. I read this book one time called The Heavenly Man. Brother Ewan, and I read the whole thing. That thing was thicker than the Bible too. And I read that in a week. I couldn't put it down. I was so mesmerized. And I looked at the lives of people that I'm so excited by. And I say, I bet you they didn't make it their aspiration to live quietly and to not make waves in life. I bet you that wasn't the inspiration for their life, that we should just mind our own affairs and keep your faith to yourself and keep it private. And I know you're encouraged to do that in this culture and society. The only problem is is that's not what God has actually called you to do. You see, I happen to believe that there is a call and a plan for your life. And the way that you get it is you go after it and you go after opportunities when they're presented to you. You see, you can't just ask to be used by God and follow it up with a goal that's aimed in the complete other direction. God, use me. Okay, I will. Oh, I'm going to live a quiet life. God, use me. Here I am. No, I'm, I don't want to make waves. I'm going to keep my faith private and I'm going to do it behind closed doors. If you've asked for the gift of healing, which I have, if you've asked for the gift of healing, just how do you think that gift is supposed to work? People won't approach you in the street and come up to you and say, 
Ah, you know, you look like the kind of guy that's got a gift of healing on your life. Don't suppose you would mind praying for me today? No, people will never approach you. That means that you approach them. So when you ask for the gift of healing, let me tell you something about the gift of healing. If you read the scriptures, first of all, I believe it's my position that God wants to heal people and he can heal anyone at any point, anywhere, at any time, however he sees fit. But when you read the scriptures, do you understand that healing accompanied the preaching of the gospel? So whenever the church begins to take new territory that is accompanied by signs and wonders and people begin to be healed. So if we try to live the quiet life and keep it to ourselves and lock our doors and become the club, we're not going to actually see what we want to see. Do you see a disconnect? between asking God for gifts and call and prophecy and all the rest of it, but then never putting yourself in a position to actually exercise it? Do you know how the gift of healing actually works? It means that when you walk out these doors, you leave the club behind that mentality and that thought process and that idea, and you walk onto the street and you see someone limping and you say, I believe God can heal you. Would you mind if I laid my hands on you? You see, when it comes to actually living the life that you're asking God for, you're supposed to do something about it. And if you ask God for the quiet result, Reserved, out of the limelight, like squared away life, you're actually setting goals in the opposite direction. What good is it to ask for spiritual gifts without actually uh, uh, expressing them? If you're asking God for Him to do something in your life, you say, God, give me the gift of healing. Would you at least be responsible with it? By doing something with it? Don't make it your aim to have that quiet life. Let me ask you again when it comes to the cost because there's cost in everything are you focused on the cost or the building because I looked at the cost but I'm just focused on the building the cost of walking up to someone and asking them if you can pray for them is the cost of your pride are you focused on the cost or are you focused on the building if you're always focused on the cost you're never actually going to do what you're asking God for at the same time don't focus on what you're losing don't focus on what you're losing Jesus said, count the cost. These are not the words of a salesman. He said, count the cost. I get credit cards in the mail from banks at 17% interest. They're hoping I don't see the cost. Just spend. We'll consider that you have activated this credit card the first time you put money on it. or The first time you spend, please don't see the cost attached. If I go into a furniture store and, you know, GE Finance and I sign up and then they say, if you haven't paid this off in two years time, we're going to backdate the interest at 30%. They're hoping I don't see the cost. If I go into a car yard and, 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 and meet a used car salesman and, and, and he, he's never going to turn to me and say, look, you should really consider the mileage on this car. It's just a, it's probably a little too much. You may want to consider something else. If I go and say, no, I want to buy this car, he doesn't turn around and say, well, you should really think about the cost attached. I'm not sure that you can really afford this. Do you know how many litres, you know, per hundred kilometres this car is? It might be too expensive for you. They don't say you that, that to you. They, they say, no, no, meet with our finance guy. Team, they'll approve you right now. They'll approve you. Don't look at the cost. When Jesus says to count the cost, these aren't the words of a salesman. Do you understand that he's not selling it to you? He's, he's not coming to you and saying, sign up first and then we'll catch you in the fine print, the terms and conditions, see in store for details. He doesn't say that. He says, sit down first, consider the cost. And before you volunteer and say, I want to be used by you, consider that it might actually cost you something. It's called sacrifice. He's not selling it. He says, you tell me when you're ready. He doesn't come to you. He says, you tell me when you're ready. 
You sit down, count the cost, come back to me when you actually believe that you're ready. Do you know why I think He does this? Some of you got to lean into this point right now because this has eluded you for some time. Do you know why He does that? Because it's a genuine offer. It's a genuine offer. It's legit. If you say you want to be used by God, He says, wait, wait, sit down and count the cost first. Because He says, if you come back to me and you think about it and you say, yes, I still want to be used. I don't know what it means. I don't know what the sacrifice means. I don't know what it's going to cost me yet. But yes, I'm making the decision to say yes. I'm prepared to wear the cost that's attached to it. He says, right, I'm going to make you a genuine offer today. I'm going to use you. I'm actually going to do it. I'm serious. I'm actually going to do it. So you can forget about the elusiveness of your call. You can forget about trying to look for it under that rock or behind that curtain because if you come to Jesus and say, I've counted the cost, I'm prepared to wear the sacrifice. I love you more than anything else. He says, I'm going to take you up on your offer. And when it comes to you, it's going to come in the form of an opportunity. My encouragement to you is don't be so busy that when the opportunity comes, you say, no, I don't have time for that. He says, but I thought you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just meant not now, not here, not there. And the more decisions you make with that in mind, your call begins to get further and further away. I'll tell you something about Jesus. He knows that when you say yes, when you say you're ready to sacrifice, oh, He knows something that some of you don't. If you've been focused on the cost, He knows you get something so much more in return. There's a building attached to the cost. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. He says, whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake they'll find it who are the people that find life the people that are prepared to sacrifice and lose it for his sake he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy he went and sold everything he had and bought that field you see the people that find the building will sell everything that they have to buy it But if you're always focused on the cost and the sacrifice, you're going to miss the greatest treasure that Jesus is prepared to give to you. He says, And everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much. By the way, that's in this life and inherit eternal life. You get a hundred times as much in this life and that doesn't mean that God is going to fill up your bank account, but it means that He's doing something And I don't know what it is for you and I don't know what it might be for me, but I'm promised by a God who doesn't lie that I'm going to receive something more in this life and in the life to come. So can I ask you this question one more time? Are you focused on the cost or the building? Because I looked at the cost, I'm just focused on the building. I'm focused on... On the future, I'm focused on what God is wanting to build. See, here's the truth. The cost of non-discipleship is higher than the cost of discipleship. And at that price, sacrifice is a bargain. It's a bargain. Do you believe what we just read? Because if you do, sacrifice at that price is a bargain. So let me ask you a question today. What discouraged you from making the sacrifice to do the thing? 
that came to you, the opportunity that you said no to, the thing you were prepared to walk away from. Do you know what's so sad? It's if you ever feel like you missed an opportunity and you can't go back and get a do-over. Have you ever felt like that? Well, you missed it. There was a window of ministry opportunity that was open to you. And because the time wasn't right, the season wasn't right, the skills wasn't right, whatever it was, you said no to it. And right now, as you're starting to maybe even get older in life, you go, man, I would give anything, anything to go back there and live the life that I was created for. But I feel like it's too late. What caused you to say no to the opportunity that came your way? Is it because you don't have the right testimony? Oh, I don't know how God could use me. Is it because you didn't have the money? It's like, well, I'm not really financially set up to make that decision. I don't think I could really do that. I don't have the skill set for that. If that's true and that's how you feel, why don't we go ahead and say to Jesus what we're really thinking, which is this. Jesus, (laughs) I don't really think you've thought this through when you asked me. I don't think you really thought this through when you asked me because don't you understand that I don't have what it takes testimony, skills, capacity, ability, time. Don't you understand that that I don't have what it takes? Can I just share with you some little insight that hopefully will revolutionise your life today? He qualifies those whom He calls. He qualifies the calls. You think that when Jesus asked you to do whatever He asked you to do, that He forgot that you didn't have the money? Like that slipped his attention. He's able to uphold the universe by the power of His Word. But you, no, He totally, it slipped His mind that you weren't talented enough to do what He called you to do. You really think that's true? He qualifies those whom He calls. So let me ask you one final question. What opportunities have come your way that you've dismissed because you were too busy looking at the cost? And man, you just forgot that there was a building that was attached to that. You're just looking in the wrong area. So here's what you got to do today. You got to pay the price and serve sacrificially so you can live the life that you were created for. Just make the decision. You don't have to create an extra day. Just slash out and carve out the time from something else that's occupying you so you can actually do what God is asking you to do. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm just giving you the heads up right now. When you get to the end of your life and you look back on your own reason for not pursuing the call of God, if you say, I didn't have the time, the energy, the focus, the capacity, the ability, you'll regret that you didn't just give it a go. You will. You'll say, why didn't I just live a life that was prepared to find out? Make a mistake. Let it be spectacular. But oh, geez, at least find out. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.